0: Our thanks to Paul Yader and Ray Blackwell for that anthem. Now, as we prepare to turn to God's word, we'll be looking at uh, the gospel according to John. Uh, we'll be reading from John chapter 12 as we've been going through this uh, a Bible study as a church together. Uh, we've already done the Palm, uh, Palm Sunday story. That was uh, for last week, and this week officially is Passion Sunday, but it's still Palm Sunday, So we're going to read uh, from John 12, a passage that uh, has a bit of each of those, um, both uh, looking back to Palm Sunday and ahead uh, to the events of the Passion. Uh, This passage will have some of the verses we read last week, but also verses on either side of that as well. And so as we prepare to go to God's word, let's first go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of your word. We thank you that you have brought us uh, together in worship once again, that you have given us the blessing of scripture. We ask as we uh, turn to the scriptures this morning that you would be here with us. Uh, The spirit that inspired the writing of these words would inspire our hearing and our understanding today, that we might come to know who you are and who you've called us to be as individuals and as a church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. Listen to the word of God. The next day, a great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, And sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, we ask that you would open our ears, our eyes, our minds, and our hearts that we might come to know who you are and who you have called us to be, that we might leave this worship service a changed people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Palm Sunday is perhaps the most Disorienting and dizzying day of the church calendar. Uh, Palm Sunday is, is fascinating because it is at once exhilarating and frustrating. It is at the same time uplifting and distressing. There's something about Palm Sunday that is confusing and mystifying. Maybe in part it's because on Palm Sunday, we find ourselves confronted with the true strength and power and might of God. Jesus said that now is the time for the judgment of this world. The ruler of this world will be driven out and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And as the people gathered around uh, heard these words, they knew what they meant, or at least what they expected these words meant. You see, uh, these words came right on the heels of that triumphal entry, that entry into Jerusalem, that exciting moment. And as we've been studying Scripture for the past six months, we know so much about that moment. We know so much about the expectations surrounding it. As Jesus entered into Jerusalem, we know about the history of this city. We've read it, we've rehearsed it, we've recited it. We know this is the city David made, the capital. We know that it was attacked by the Assyrians, that it was conquered by the Babylonians, it was held by the Persians until it was taken by the Romans. And all the while, the people who lived there longed to be liberated. They longed to be set free. And they knew something about liberation. They knew something about being set free. Every year, they celebrated the Passover. This event that happened when the angel of the Lord passed over the homes of God's people so that they could then be set free uh, to, to walk through the waters of the Red Sea into freedom. They knew liberation. And they knew their history. They knew their prophecy. They knew that Zechariah had told them God would send an anointed one. God would send a, a Messiah. God would send a chosen one. God would send a savior. And the sign would be that the savior would come to them Riding on a donkey. They knew the prophecy. They knew their history. They knew that they had once had their own king. Uh, They had had a line of kings that began with a man named Saul who came in to the prophet's home uh, following a donkey. They knew that the sign of the king was the donkey that would lead him. And they knew their heritage. They knew the Passover story. They knew that at the Passover, Moses was there to lead them through the Red Sea. And that Moses had ridden into Egypt on a donkey. The sign of the liberator was that he would ride on a donkey. They knew that the liberator would ride on a donkey. That the king would ride on a donkey. That the chosen one of God would come riding on a donkey And that's when the whispers began to start in the city. Uh, The rumors began to spread that this year for Passover, Jesus was coming. Jesus. The same Jesus that had been healing out in the villages and the towns. The same Jesus, they said, could feed the multitudes. The Jesus, they said, who had the strength to walk on the waters. The Jesus, they said, who had the power to raise the dead. The Jesus, they said, had the might of God behind him. And so the people went out to see this Jesus as he came into God's holy city. They, they, they left the city itself and went out to the roads and to the streets to see what it would look like when this Jesus came into town to celebrate the Passover. And when they saw him coming, he was riding a donkey. Just like the prophecy said the Messiah, the Savior, the chosen one of God would come riding on a donkey, just like Saul led into the city to the prophet's home by a donkey, the king of Israel with a donkey, just like Moses did when he returned to Egypt, the liberator coming on a donkey. And they watched as Jesus came riding on a donkey, and they knew what that meant. They knew what Jesus was saying. They knew what these claims uh, said about who Jesus was. This was the one they'd been waiting for. This this is the liberator this is the messiah this is the king this is the chosen one and suddenly the excitement began to grow because this chosen one was coming with all the power all the strength all the might of god creator of the cosmos lord of the host of heaven and now that the liberator was here they knew what to expect or at least what they thought they should expect And then Jesus spoke, he opened his mouth and they, they leaned in to hear what he would say. And he started out with some things they didn't much care for about losing your life to gain it and a grain falling to the ground. But then he got to the good part. And he said that the time had come, the ruler of this world would be cast out. They knew what that meant, what they thought it meant. And he said that he himself would be lifted up. They knew what that meant enthronement that's what they thought it meant he said he would draw all people to himself and they knew what that meant this was the promise of revolution this was the moment that the almighty powerful strength of god was turned loose on the holy city this was the moment that the king of creation had come and all of his power would be unleashed in the streets and he would take back the city He would take the throne. He would take control. He would take over. The people were ready. Those who had followed Jesus followed him into the city. Those who were there to celebrate the Passover joined with this army gathered around Jesus waiting for him to take control, waiting for him to take the city, waiting for him to take the throne, waiting for him to take over. And then the events of Holy Week began to unfold. And he didn't take control. He didn't take the city. He didn't take the throne. He didn't take over. In fact, he didn't take much of anything. And as Sunday turned to Monday, to Tuesday, to Wednesday, to Thursday... They found that Jesus didn't take anything. Instead, they found that he was too busy giving. He gave each of his disciples, his followers, a place at God's table. The ones we love and the other disciples too. He even gave Judas a welcome to that table. They watched as he gave welcome to each of the disciples. They watched as as he gave hope to his followers. Even even someone like Peter, who failed, not once, not twice, but three times in the same night. Jesus gave him hope that he would not be defined by his failures. The people watched as Jesus then gave mercy, even to the people who attacked And murdered him. Praying "Uh, Lord forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus gave mercy. To those we would never dare to forgive. Those who may not even forgive themselves. And then. He gave his life. That he might give us. Life as well. He didn't take. Control. He didn't take the throne. He didn't take the city. He didn't take over. That's what we want. That's what we expect. That's that's what we think the strength and power and might are all about. Taking with force. But the strength and power and might that Jesus shows us is strength beyond strength. Power beyond power. This is the true strength of God. A strength that has no need to take with force. Jesus doesn't need to take control. He already has it. Jesus doesn't need to take the city. The entire earth is filled with his glory. Jesus doesn't need to take the throne. He's already king. Jesus doesn't need to take over. He created this world himself. It is already his. The strength of God is not taking with force. The strength of God is strength that gives with grace. This is why Palm Sunday is so disorienting. This is why Palm Sunday is so confusing. This is why Palm Sunday is so dizzying because we are confronted with the true strength of God. Strength that chooses not to take with force but to give with grace, to give a welcome, even to those who don't belong, to give uh, grace, to give hope to those who are afraid they'll be defined by their failures, To, to give mercy to those who can't even forgive themselves, to give life even at the cost of the life of Jesus himself. Palm Sunday is so mystifying because it takes everything we know, everything we think we know about strength and power and might and turns it upside down. And as followers of Christ, as Christians, we are called to proclaim this definition of strength. We are called to proclaim this kind of power. We are called to proclaim true true Christ-like might. Might that does not take with force, but gives with grace. We are called as individuals, we are called as a congregation. To imitate this kind of strength, this kind of power, this kind of might. When we find ourselves in positions of power, we are called to welcome those who feel like outcasts. When we find ourselves in seasons of strength, we are called to give hope to those who are afraid they'll be defined by their failures. When we find ourselves in moments of might, whatever that may mean, we are called to offer mercy to those who cannot forgive themselves. We are called to give with grace to proclaim the good news of the gospel that God has given his own life that we may have life. We are called to proclaim strength that gives with grace. The ruler of this world will be driven out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Eventually the disciples came to understand what he meant He wouldn't be lifted onto a throne. He would be lifted onto a cross. And by all people, he did not mean all those in the city. He meant all people of all places and all times, including a church in Swickley, Pennsylvania. He was lifted onto the cross and drew even us to himself so that he might give us welcome. He might give us hope. He might give us mercy. He might give us life. Palm Sunday is so dizzying because Jesus Christ calls us to go and do the same, to give with grace. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.